The Sussex Central High School football program was at rock bottom when John Wells took over as varsity head coach in 1996. The team had gone winless the previous season and in its history had never qualified for the state playoffs. Few could have predicted the remarkable turnaround the team was about to enjoy under John's leadership. Almost overnight, the Golden Knights went from being one of the worst teams in the Henlopen Conference to one of Delaware's powerhouse programs. How did it happen? Well, you're about to find out. I'm Dave Mall, and this is the IRSD Spotlight. In 20 years as head coach of Sussex Central's varsity football team, John Wells has compiled a record of 144 wins and 71 losses. With a winning percentage of 670, he is the winningest coach in school history. His teams have won seven Henlopen Conference Northern Division titles, made 11 state tournament appearances, and advanced to the state final four times. John also won back-to-back -back State Division I Coach of the Year awards in 2006 and 2007. But it's not all about football. John is also Sussex Central's head softball coach and has racked up 349 wins over 22 seasons. His teams have won three state championships and six conference titles. And did I mention he's a district graduate from Indian River High School's class of 1984? I recently had the opportunity to sit down with John to discuss his coaching career and how he gets the most out of his players. Now, Sussex Central's record during your 20 years as football coach has been extremely impressive. Did you ever anticipate that level of success when you took over in 1996? I, I was just nervous. <laughs> I never thought about 20 years of coaching. Um, that wasn't even in my mind uh, as a 29-year-old. Knowing some of the history, because I was at the middle school for six years as an assistant for two, as the head middle school coach for four, I saw three or four coaches go through, and not many lasted more than two, three years. Uh, and some pretty good coaches, by the way. Um, they had tough schedules, or for whatever reason, they didn't do too well. And of course, before I came up, they were 0-10. And, 10. and uh, so I wasn't thinking about 20 years, Dave. I was thinking, right now, we got to turn this thing around, or I'm going to be gone two, three years, like everybody else in front of me. So I was really... Uh, under pressure, maybe I didn't show it all the time or communicate that. But I'll tell you, when I when I took that, I was excited for the opportunity. But I was also very nervous, and I, I felt pressure more so maybe than uh, in any other phase of my life, for the most part in my career, career-wise. Now, like you just mentioned it earlier, before you came head became the head coach, Sussex Central had not even ever qualified for the state playoffs in its whole history. Right. And the team, like you had mentioned, had gone winless the year before. Um, now, in the 20 years since, you've only had one losing season. Sussex Central's had one losing season in the last 20 years. The, the turnaround was almost instantaneous. I mean, what do you think the key to it was, to, to just that dramatic turnaround and so quickly? Well, there's I don't know if we have enough time to sit here and talk about the people I could thank and give responsibility to and credit to for turning that program around. There were booster members. There were kids themselves. There was a lot of support. Um, there were also some people that wanted a different coach at the time. I got hired. There were other candidates, and there were some that were loyal to other people. Um, but 
there are just too many people to thank. Uh, really, um, we built a weight room that summer. Uh, the Bants uh, did the electrical work for cost. Uh, the Riddle family did the masonry work for cost on weekends. So they didn't charge uh, Al Booth, who passed away. His family took a lot of the insurance money and paid for paid for the masonry and the electrical work. So uh, a lot of that came from uh, uh, their insurance pile, you know, his uh, life insurance, after he passed away. So uh, I can't say enough about uh, the belated Al and Kathy Booth. Um, just so many. Woody Long for giving me the opportunity. And, uh, of course, you know, budgets are what they are. We didn't have an overflowing budget. So uh, Woody Long for his support. Just too many people were responsible and the guys I coach with. But, uh, and we worked hard. We worked really hard and, uh, to turn it around, and it wasn't always easy. We can't we first year 7-3, but you know, we could have been 9-1. Uh, worst year I've ever had in injuries was my was, uh, well, second year. First year 6-4, second year 7-3, and, and I really thought we had a chance to go to the finals. We beat Cape Open, who went to the finals. But uh, the worst year of injuries I've ever sustained. So we're proud of what we've done. But we, it's over, and we're ready for next year. We, we, we met last night the staff for the fourth time already. So uh, it's, it's on to the next season. It's one game at a time. It's getting better each week, uh, even in the weight room now. So it, uh, I don't know if it was instantaneous. I didn't look at it that way because we wanted to build. But you also got to look at the – you mentioned the playoffs never before in school history, and we've done that several times now. That was one of our goals. But, you know, there were a couple seasons in there where they were undefeated or one loss in the 70s, where the news journal picked the teams for the playoffs. And Central got locked out once or twice, and I really thought they should have been in in the 70s at least once. And that was in the early days of the tournament, too. It yeah. wasn't quite like it is now. I think 70 maybe was a season. 70 or, They had an undefeated season back in 70 or 71. One year was before the state tournament started, and then another year they had one loss and didn't get chosen to play in a tournament. It wasn't points. It was just they picked them. So uh, – you know, I, we get credit for being the first time in the playoffs, but there was a team or two back there that you got to look at and say, hey, they should have been in. Mm-hmm. How much how much pride do you take looking back now on turning the team around like that? We were tough on ourselves. Um, we've gone through three years and not been in the playoffs and had low numbers. We've always averaged 18 to 24 seniors, and uh, we've had low numbers from 13 to 10 and 9 past three years until this year. We had 21 seniors again. And for those three years, we're beating ourselves up. We've had success. We feel we feel proud of our program. But we had a couple of years there, man, we're, we're tough on ourselves. We, we're not satisfied. We want to keep getting better. Uh, we want to reach the ultimate goal as a staff. And most of us have been here together for most of 20 years together. Um, but it is a good feeling when I hear, I'll tell you when it hits me, is when I'm outside of here and I'm at all state meetings or at venues where young coaches or new coaches and they, they corner me and say, hey, when you took Central over, what'd you do? How'd you do it? How'd you build that program and sustain it for 20 years where you, not every year, but every other year or so you're in the playoffs and the longevity of your program. When I hear other coaches ask about that, it, then it hits me. Because when I'm here, it's about getting better today. Like today in the two weight room classes I had, or phys ed, or talking to kids about grades, it's about getting better for next year now. That's when it hits me, when I'm outside and you go, wow, we, we do have one. And you think Middletown, you think William Penn, you thought Newark for a while, but they've been down. 
They didn't sustain it for 20-some years mm-hmm. since I've been coaching. So, uh, you know, Smyrna's on the rise before that. So, we've, we have done some great things here. But I'll let you know we're not happy yet. <laughs> we just think there's more to be done. That's how we approach it. Well, that feeds into my next question. Um, with all your success, the one thing that has eluded you is the state championship. Right. And you've gotten close several times. You've been to the state final four times. Four times. Haven't been able to close the deal. Right. How much does that bother you, looking back on it? The, out of those four games, one. And the reason is we've always worn the white jerseys, which means we were not the top seed in any of those four games. We've gone into those games shorthanded. The first, the first one, for example, wow, they were a great team. Newark had four, four or five in a row and had NFL players on the field. We had some good players, really good players, but they were spread out over seniors, juniors, and sophomores. But we go in with three starters out off defense. So uh, we go into the Newark game without three starters on defense, and you're not going to stop Newark without three starters on defense. I don't care what team it is because they were that good at the time. Um, CR, we beat them in the regular season. And then in the final game, we fumbled three times, and they didn't turn the ball over one time. And uh, So you beat them in the regular season, yeah. met up again in the finals. Yeah, and, they and we actually played better in the finals. We, uh, we ex- executed better. We, we had a lot more yards offensively. Like I said, one of the scores in the first game was a kickoff return. Uh, so I thought we did a lot of things better. Unfortunately, so today on offense, and they did turn the ball over, and they had some kids that were pretty near unstoppable on the football field. Um, but that, so that's here nor there. That's okay. And then, uh, of course, I think uh, Sally's team may be one of the best teams I've ever seen. We were undefeated. They're undefeated. And uh, and they that might be the best team I've seen since I've, in my tenure. You got to throw in one of these smarter teams. You got to throw in some other teams, a newer team. But that new, uh, that Sally's team that Bill had with Reserva, mm-hmm. went to the Cowboys and Viscount, uh, they were loaded. But the one that gets me is uh, the Middletown game. You got an 11-point lead, and you roughed the punter <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a punt block. I mean, a punt return. We didn't call punt block. And one of our young men decides, hey, I got an opening, and took it. Rough the punter uh, on fourth and whatever, and I can remember. I can remember right now standing beside Dave Marvel, looking at the punter. He's standing on the fifty. The ball's on the thirty-five. He's going. Do you think we should go for the block? I'm going. I don't know. They're at the thirty-five yard line. I don't know why they're not going for it. They're losing by eleven at the end of the third quarter. About the sort of fourth quarter. I'm thinking, I'd fake it or I'd go for it. He goes, Yeah, I'm being safe. So, of course, then we rough the punter. So the ball's fifteen-yard penalty. So from the 35 to put the ball in the 20, they score, make it a four-point game, and then it's a dog fight the whole fourth quarter. Pressure's on us. They score late, and then uh, win the game. Of course, one of our backs had a torn ACL. That hurt us too, but they had an injury or two too probably. I think I've been there 10 times counting softball and football. I've not seen a bad softball or a football team in the finals yet. So it's not like you're not playing an, an easy game. But uh, I just thought three of them, we didn't have all of our players, or we were playing against someone pretty stout, and you can live with that kind of loss. I thought the Middletown game, and I'm best friends with Martin Percio from Middletown. We're best friends. But that's the one where you have an 11-point lead, hit in the fourth quarter, you got to win that game. So that's the one that gets me. The other three, okay, it's nice to win one of them. But uh, if we had one Middletown game, then I wouldn't worry about the other three. But, you know, uh, we're fighting to get back for another opportunity. 
and uh, when it happens, it'll be, it'll be a great moment. <laughs> yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. Now, you're also the softball coach for Sussex Central, and that's a sport where you have won the state championship three times, to be exact. Right. And uh, you've gone to the state finals on three other occasions. Now, you've been the softball coach since 94. Right. Um, how have you turned Sussex Central into a softball power? Well, they've been good. Now, my sister played here. They were good. They made the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs? I think they might have made the playoffs once. Um, I know in 79, um, Steen took them to the state championship and lost to Lake Forest or Milford. So uh, they've had some success in history here, and they won the conference in 91, I think. Uh, maybe I don't know if it was John Mitchell was the head coach then. I believe it was John. Um, so they won a conference. So they've been good. We've had good Little League programs in the district, Georgetown, Millsboro. So they've had good teams. It wasn't like it was a bad program when I took over. It just wasn't to the elite level. But no team in the county had won a state championship in softball. It was all it was an upstate sport. You know, kind of like a, uh, basketball has been recently in some other sports where it's just upstate dominant. And that's how softball was. And we had work to do. And, I, and that's another whole story in building that team. But. Now, you you broke through again almost immediately, win the state championship in 1995. And what's interesting about that is that that was the first state championship in a girls' sport, not only for Sussex Central, but for the Indian River School District. And wow. not the first for them, but one of the few for downstate at the time, too. Um how special was that that year to, to, to break through and achieve that and finally get that state championship? Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And then a lot of pressure on that because I came with that. At the middle school, I had coached for three years, and we were 31-1. and one. And uh, I told those girls, stick together, get to the high school, you guys can win a state championship. And I didn't know what the upstate teams had. I didn't go up and scout those powerhouse upstate teams, but I just felt they were pretty good. They were two undefeated teams for me and a one-loss team, and I wanted them to stay together. And uh, I can remember Mitchell, I think it was the central office maybe, or took another position. Job was open. I wasn't applying for it. I was happy where I was. Um, and I remember getting a call and being asked to apply for it, and a lot of the girls were like, hey, we need you to apply for this job. No one's applying for it. So I took it, or applied for it, got the job. And I can remember the first meeting I had. And I can remember a couple of players, and Jen Corsi being one of them, phenomenal athlete, saying, well, you told us that we could win a state championship when we were in middle school if we stayed together. We're all here. And I can remember that moment, the, the weight on my shoulders. I'm like, wow, I told them they could win a state championship. <laughs> now it's on me, and uh, and I remember that, and and, the, and I can remember I was telling the story the other day. Stacy McElvain, our pitcher, got a weight room in her basement, and she was the first girl that I had played travel ball. She played for a team there, Baltimore, the Outlaws, and three or four of her other girls played in a women's league in Salisbury. Didn't have travel ball that I knew of around here, and but they wanted to get better, and we came back. And I had gone to a clinic and saw Deion Harris and uh, Lisa Fernandez and Doc Richardson on the Olympic team. Uh, might have been, I think, up in PA. But uh, so gathered information, and Bill Cates and I 
brought it back and we worked on hitting. We were gonna hit this way. Girls bought into it. But McElveen was the key. Everyone got better. They were all great athletes. Great she was players. a tremendous pitcher from what I remember. Right. And that she came back on a different level. And once she had done that, we could beat anybody. We could also get beat by a few teams, but she she put us in the elite status. And uh, yeah, it was great because I can remember we beat four upstate teams to get to the championship. And we lost the last game of the season that year to Smyrna, 1-0. And we sat down in Smyrna at the, at the field on the bleachers. Closure. End of the game. And I'm trying to talk to them, but hey, we got playoffs, we got to regroup. We didn't do some things well. Here's what we got to do better. They weren't even hearing it. They were looking 100 yards past me. And I'm talking to them, and I'm looking at them, and they're, I'm not there. They're so mad and angry. It was the best thing that happened to us because I still thought that there was that upstate mystique, but they were so mad that they lost that game and how they lost it. I, I didn't care who you put in front of them then. It didn't matter. It changed their focus because all of a sudden you hear them say, hey, can we beat this team? Because we, we didn't have them on a regular season schedule. It didn't matter anymore. And uh, to go out there and win that game and to beat a Tim Wamper team, because Tim Wamper, before he went to Caravelle, was up. Uh, Wilmington Christian, we beat them three to one, and then we beat St. Mark's three to one. And I can tell you, somewhere in my house, I had the rankings from the news journal from the whole every week, and I got them laminated. We're not in top ten. We're not in top ten. We're not in top ten. Each week, then we were ten, then nine. We hit every number. They did not want to put us one. <laughs> Until after we won the state championship, and they had to put, and I've got it laminated somewhere in my attic. But yeah, that was a pretty special. Now, not many coaches take on two high-profile sports: football, football for you, softball, and softball. For and especially for the length of time that you've done it, um, how challenging is it to do that year after year? It can be tough. But there were a couple guys: uh, Coach Kasanovich and Coach K from Concord. Coach softball and football like I did. He was, we were the only two guys in the state doing it. And now Brian Tipson, who coaches the head football team at Apoquitamic, is also the head softball coach. So he and I talk all the time. We scrimmage them in both sports, yeah, and football and softball. And uh, it, I tell you what, it's unique, and it is tough having two sports. And I, and I say this with respect, that softball – not a great word to use, maybe. Uh, easy. Maybe it's better to say low low maintenance. It's probably better because you don't have 50 kids. You have 12 to 15. Usually the softball players are tremendous academic kids. Not always, but they're not. You have to worry about them all the time. When you've got 50, you're going to have a couple of kids that may not be the best students. Whereas softball, very rarely do you have to worry about following the kids' grades all the time. And you can focus on sport or focus on skill in the, low, in the lower numbers. And they come to work. Um, when I get out there at 3.15 for practice, they're all there. <laughs> it's not like one or two of them are coming around the corner late um, or around the building. It's just a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to coach anyone at the high school level. But what makes it possible for me is that softball, they, they're playing all the time. They're in the weight room classes. They play travel ball. They work out with travel teams uh, through the winter. So when they get there at March 1st, they're very well prepared. Um, so 
I guess low maintenance is probably a better word than easy. They make, they make it easy on me, so I can get there and just coach. So uh, you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Otherwise, I don't know if I could do two sports. If it was two sports, I took now football's a, it's got a lot of a lot of things, a lot of moving parts to it. Film work, off season training, just so much you got to stay on top of. But uh, the girls themselves get a lot of credit for being uh, so dedicated. That feeds into my next question. What is the difference, or what are the main differences in your experience between coaching boys and coaching girls? Um, it's, it's hard because there's individuals. Something I might say about the girls being a little more organized and being on, all of them being on time, but a lot of football players are on time and organized. So it's hard to say one's different than the other. Differences, um, surprisingly, when I was younger, how competitive the girls are. You wouldn't think that, you know, back in the 70s we were going to school in the 80s because my sister didn't have a little league. She had to play with the boys. Um, so I think that was something we, society, showed us. But these girls are just as competitive, if not more sometimes, than the guys, their counterparts. Um, so I don't know if it's just if it's really fair to compare the sport from softball to football or the af- softball athletes compared to the football athletes because individually you may say something about a, a general statement about the ladies that I coach which could be true but yet individually you find some areas where there's, you know, there's a counter to that so uh, difference wise lower numbers for softball so it's easy. I think it's easier to manage 13, 14 people than it is 50 fewer coaches less film work uh, you still do strategy but not as much strategy um, but they go 100%. I, I can't hardly tell you over all these years of softball where I've had to worry about behavior, grades. So if there's a difference, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, and this is, this is not a knock on the guys, maybe they're a little more ahead of the game when it comes to academics, self-management, focus. You know, and that might be cause of the sport too. So, uh when it comes to when it comes to coaching in general, do you have a a certain philosophy that you follow or anything, or how do you, how do you get the most out of your player? You've been so successful. How do how do you what do you do to get the most out of all of your players? I think there's a lot of things I've learned and I have a personal philosophy. Um, for me, coaching and the players that play for me, 100 percent all the time, and and that can that can sometimes kids don't like that. Coach Wills is mean. And then they realize, wow, he, you know, some young freshman might come in and say, man, this guy's intense. You know, uh, no foul language, nothing like that. You don't need to do that, that kind of stuff as a coach. You don't need to be ready any kids. Just coach hard every second. Of, and then pat them on the back or encourage them. But I, I can't I can't go into a game not being prepared. I don't let my players playing 60 football plays and then play 59 at 100%, then play one at 97. That's not, that's not in me. That's not how I live my life. For the most part, uh, and my kids, they get that. Hey, when we walk off this field, win, lose, whatever, I tell the football players, I want those people on that side to say, that's the toughest team we faced all year, win or lose. Uh, I want them to understand that they're going to be in a battle. We're going to hit. We're going to get hit. We're going to come right back and do it again. That's just our MO. And that's, and that's we don't quit. We go 100%. We're full on all the time until the last whistle. So if there's a philosophy, um, 
I just think it's 100% all the time. And that's easy to say. And you even find yourself sometimes going, okay, I'm, t- I'm tired. You know, your family steps in the way sometimes. And you got to do that, for, you know, take care of that first. But you got to budget your time as a coach. Where are you giving 100% as a coach? Because you can't ask for 100% if you're not going to give 100%. But uh, I really think my kids understand that we go into every game with the intent on winning and giving it all. And if you don't do that, you can't be satisfied with yourself. And just to wrap it up here, you're, does being a graduate of the school district kind of make it a little more special? It does, and, that, and probably a little more pressure too sometimes. Um, and it's tough. I know about the very first year, 1990-91, we were having preseason football practice with Chris Sizemore, who was the head coach for ninth grade. And we scrimmaged Subbyville Middle. And when I saw those kids come off the bus, they had the IR pride on their helmets. Even though it was ninth grade, they had IR pride on the helmets. Same stuff I wore. My heart dropped. And I really thought, wow, I can't coach against these guys. I'm still 22, 23. And it's not that far removed from being a high school athlete. And uh, I can't remember that feeling. And uh, once the scrimmage started, and then they're hitting us, we're hitting them, and then people get chirping a little bit, and your competitive spirit starts to flow. The kids that I've been with for two weeks, you know, they're engaged in an emotional game, you know, scrimmage. And it's intense. I mean, it's Subbyville versus Central Middle School now, junior high. It's pretty intense. They're hitting my kid. Even though they were wearing the uniform that I wore, they're hitting my guard. Or they're trying to block my linebacker or tackle my, you know. So then I started, it started getting a little personal. Hey, these are my kids now. And that's when I really felt it was over. I thought, okay. I, 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 really, when I saw them get off the bus in the parking lot, I'm like, wow, it's a tough feeling. And uh, but when it was over, and we besides were called the kids together, and we talked and had a uh, closure, it felt like, okay, I'm in. These are my kids. You know, I'm with, I'm with this team. It's a team. And you can say that for every game on our schedule. But I wasn't sure about that one. <laughs> but after that day, it's okay. So even before school started, I guess that was my indoctrination to SC football was those guys, Luke Pettigrew, Derek Layfield, who's coaching with me still, uh, all those guys on that team, just phenomenal guys, um, too many of them, uh, Bart Jester, uh, just so many great people on that team. I still see those guys in the community. I'll see them places. And having Derek Layfield coach with me from that team is pretty special. So uh, yeah, that's how it started. Mm-hmm. I want to thank John Wells for taking time out of his busy schedule to join me in the IRSD Spotlight. But we're not done with him just yet. On our next episode, John talks about his involvement in perhaps the most bizarre chapter in the Sussex Central-Indian River football rivalry. Yeah, then it was mayhem. And everybody's fighting through, and, and they're trying to, they're, you know, Central's trying to come out of the end zone, because really their heels are in the end zone. And uh, we're going one way, they're going the other, and when the dust settled, they spotted the ball. And said it's not a safety, and I can't remember looking, because Dale Steele was out of his coaching box. <laughs> Want to know what was going on, and I can remember him looking after, going, "Where's the ball? Where's the ball?" Next time, we revisit the strange and controversial 1983 Sussex Central Indian River football game. You won't want to miss it. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. IRSD Spotlight episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.